Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of The Daily Stand-Up. My name is Lee Henson, president and founder of Agile Dad, and without any further ado, let's get started. Today, I want to keep with the theme, so we started out talking about vision and strategy, then we talked about road mapping, and yesterday we talked about backlog item creation and the backlog item creation workshop and the importance of and effectiveness of holding that properly. So today, I want to talk about release planning or big room planning or pie planning for those of you who are practicing safe product increment planning. I think it's so important. If, if there's one linchpin that kind of holds all this together from the real vision and visionary road mapping and visual tooling and backlog item creation, this is the piece that translates to the work actually being completed. This is the piece that helps us govern and see how the team is going to go about sizing, how the team is going to go about understanding and asking clarifying questions how they're going to identify dependencies, and how they're going to get all this done in a timely manner so that we don't have a multi-day engagement in order to figure this out. I want to set the record straight right away that, you know, most organizations fail at this because they try to turn this into a multi-day engagement. You know, most teams and individuals just, they don't want to be in any planning session for multiple days. They certainly don't want to be in a session where they're talking about hundreds of backlog items for multiple days. So I recently had an engagement where I was with a very large company. We'll call them a Fortune 100 company because they are. And they asked us to plan for, you know, let's do the math here, six teams of sevens. That would be 42 individuals. We had uh, 20 automation engineers. So let's bump that up to 62. We had uh, six product owners. So uh, five scrum masters, six product owners, six business analysts, we had uh, four technical analysts, we had five functional analysts, we had 17 key stakeholders. By the time you get it all said and done, we had just under 100 people who wanted to take place in this meeting. Uh, we had about 505 somewhere in that neighborhood backlog items. We had a lot of people and a lot of work that we had to sort. Now if we follow traditional planning methods where we reviewed each item in a room where we all sat down and said, Hello everyone, we'd like to welcome you all to this release planning workshop. My name is Alfred and I'll be facilitating today. The first item we'd like to go through is backlog item number 978614, adjust the parameters. As an end user, I would like to adjust the parameters so I could achieve better end user satisfaction. Ah! No! Stop the madness! Nobody wants to be in that meeting. Nobody cares about your backlog item and nobody wants to size it and talk about it. And if you're going through 500 items like that, not only is that going to take four to five days, but it's going to suck away everyone's will to live. You're going to have people jumping out of an 11-story window. It's just not a meeting where people want to be. No one wants to be in that meeting. People want meetings to be short, sweet, and to the point. And in this meeting where you're going to involve all of the different Agile teams to come in to help you size things and help you get your head around things, man, that's not the time for you to pull out the card where you want to talk about each one of these individually in depth. So the key to successfully completing a release planning or a big room planning or a pie planning meeting is to get the ones out of the, day, out of the way that you have your head around. So what do I mean by that? You know, I have lots of steps for uh, running a proper rapid release planning session. And those steps kind of help you once you have your head around what's going on. These are the steps that actually help you get things done. So I'm going to show you here some tricks. And I didn't want this to turn into just strictly about rapid release planning. But I think these steps that we follow in rapid release planning kind of give us an idea of how to do this quickly. 
So if you, if I may, I'm going to go through pretty quickly and just kind of define these for you. There are 17 steps. Sounds like a lot, but we're going to get through them pretty fast. Step one, print out all the story cards that you hope to be included in a release planning session, but leave off the product owner's t-shirt size because we don't want to influence the team. We just talked about that a little while ago. Step two is place all the cards in a large box or bucket. Step three, invite everybody participating around a large table of some kind. Step four, explain in a moment you're going to dump out 500 plus cards. The team's going to have 60 seconds to find a card they feel is small in size or scope. Now, no, that wasn't a typo. You're going to have 60 seconds with 500 cards for everyone to agree on one card that's small in size or scope. Why? Because I want to kind of get a benchmark. I want to try to set a benchmark and establish and say, okay, now that we understand that this is small, you know, we want to compare everything else to this one and see how they size out, right? So step five says once the team's identified a small benchmark, then we can have a set amount of time, in this case nine minutes, to get as many on the wall knowing that this one is small. So compared to this one and compared to each other. Now, we want to remind the team in step seven, and if they have items that they discover that are smaller than the original benchmark, it's okay. There's a column for extra small. Or if they have items that are larger than the original small or large that they benchmarked, there's a column for extra large as well. So we just want to remind them that there are outlying columns. So take advantage of those. Eight, if you walk up to the wall and there's an item in the wrong column, move it, right? Uh, it's okay for you to move items around and get them to where they need to be. If you pick up a card you're uncertain about, it's okay. Put that card back down on a table for another team member to pick up. Don't try to do everything yourself, right? There are enough people in this room that there's going to be someone who's an expert in just about every topic. If you pick up a card, it's an epic. Tear it halfway and put it down on a table. Our goal is not to break down epics in this meeting. Our goal is to take items that are correctly sized and get them next to each other so that we can just kind of validate size. Now, I want to make one really important clarifying point here. In order for everything that we're talking about to be successful, the team cannot use time-based estimation. If they say that a story point equals a certain amount of time or that they're estimating everything using hours, they're setting themselves up for failure and they're setting themselves up for these estimates to all be incorrect. In order to go into this meeting and do it correctly, we need to make sure that we understand going in that size does not equal time. That Backlog items aren't measured using time. Backlog items are measured using size. And if you do that appropriately, it's going to make everything pan out. So remember, size is just a metric of what you know, right? If you know something is small, put it in a small column. If somebody else says it's not, they can move it. No big deal. Uh, step nine says for the final few seconds, I asked them to be silent. So in this case, it was 60 seconds. I wanted everyone to be nice and quiet. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to give them a chance to review the wall, but I didn't want them to aggravate each other. I just wanted them to look and move things. And what we found is that, you know, organizationally, people would move things, individuals would move things, and we were good to go, right? Uh, so we want to make certain that people move things to the correct column based on where they belong, and that organizations felt comfortable with individuals moving things, you know, where they needed to go without having a whole lot of conversation at this point, right? So this needed to be quick and non-conversational. Once the time expires, we tell the team, go for an extended lunch. We ask the product owners to stick around because now the product owners are going to start to compare their initial estimates with the estimates that are on the wall. So any items that have no disparity at all, where the estimate's the same, or if they only have one column of difference, we go with whatever the team said. So if the team said small and the product owner said small, chances are it's small. If the team said small and the product owner said it's medium, it's still small. If the team said it's medium and the product owner said it's small, it's medium. 
the team's going to be doing the work, so we go with their estimate. Now keep in mind, we still have backlog refinement or backlog grooming. We still have sprint planning. we got lots of opportunities to update this if we need to. But at this point, this, initial, this, this first round of estimation from the team is just to validate or, or, or invalidate the product owner's initial estimate, right? If there's more than one degree of separation between the t-shirt size of the product owner and the team, this warrants additional discussion on that item. So we'll mark those items as outliers. We'll put, you know, PO equals S, T equals XL, and we'll move that into a separate column. Now the truth is, out of many hundred cards, we only have between 1 and 2% that went into that outlier column. The reason why that's so important to point out is because the number is small because over time the product owner is going to get their head around the work and the team's going to get better at estimating size because they're taking time out of the equation. So it's going to be helpful for us to understand that it's going to be a small number that wind up in that disparate column. When the team returns, we time box the discussion for five minutes apiece around those outliers and then we'll talk about each one and we'll say, okay, team, you said it was this, product owner, you said it was this, why do you think it's this? And a product owner will say, oh, no, 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 all I wanted was this. And 50% of the time, the team will say, okay, yeah, that's what you wanted, it is small. But then there are other times where the team comes back and says, hey, based on that, we have to do this, 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 and this. You know, that makes that extra large. So it's an opportunity for us to decide. So we need to make sure that we are listening to what's going on and making decisions based on good critical information, right? So we got lots of opportunity to do correcting later. This is just for us to make an assessment. And the team says, okay, we decided it's, it's not extra large, it's medium. So now the product owner can decide, yes, they want to let it go as medium. Or they say, you know, I didn't clarify scope. And they can take that card and tear it up and throw it on a table and say, we'll come back to it later. I didn't do a good job explaining it. Then based on the team's estimate, we let the team's estimate stand. And before we leave the room, we give them a few minutes to identify dependencies. And then finally, based on what we've learned in that meeting, the product owner can take the projective velocity of the teams and flesh these out in a sprint just to get an idea of how big or small the scope of a project is. We're not saying they're going to stay there, but they can use this to forecast, to figure out whether or not they have their head around the amount of work that's out there. And any items that weren't sized, that's okay. If they have items that remained on the table, it's fine. All that means is that there was no one in the room who had the skill set necessary in order to clarify those items. Or maybe it wasn't clear in the description. There's lots of opportunity for us to go back and do you know, more stringent refinement later. We need to remember that this is just an initial pass at sizing. And it's going to give us a good opportunity to get our head around several hundred items that we can then ask for clarification later during our backlog refinement meetings. So I hope you found this information useful. That was a whirlwind touch on uh, rapid release planning. I have a feeling we're going to do a webinar on that sometime soon because we get a lot of questions regarding this. And this is something we definitely cover more in depth than any Agile Dad training course. So uh, if this is something you want to learn more about, feel free to ping us in one of our courses, and we'd love to have you and teach you as much as we can about this. But the goal is to understand that release planning or big room planning or PI planning is designed for organizations at a high level to get their head around the work. It's not designed to be the end-all be-all. It's not a backlog refinement session. It's not designed to be let's talk about every single item. You know, there's a separate time and a place for that. So as always, we encourage you to stay healthy, stay well, stay agile. And until next time, thank you, my friends. Take care.